0: Is our great shall be On the night he was betrayed, the pastor says in the words we use as we consecrate the bread and the wine, they are Paul's words from 1 Corinthians 11. On the night he was betrayed, let that sink in. On the night of the greatest act of treachery the world has ever known, while they were reclining at the table and eating, Jesus said, One of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. Meals in those days were expressions of kinship, of close friendship. And especially this meal, the Passover meal, was an expression of a deep bond, not a sworn enemy not a stranger not not someone from the outside but a close friend one who is eating with me will betray me do you see the immeasurable grace of god here jesus does not say this because he is looking for pity he says it to call judas to repentance But even Jesus' strong warning, Woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man! It would be better for him if he had not been born. This warning should have sent a shudder down Judas' spine, but still it does not dissuade him from his chosen course. When Satan accuses us and tempts us to despair, when he tempts us to think, God could not possibly love me, not after what I have done, or God could not possibly want me for his own child, not after what I have been. Then we need to remember how much Jesus loved Judas and longed for his repentance. Are we any better than Judas? No, not really. But we are not worse either. Miserable sinners all. Yet Jesus loved Judas And he loves us. Jesus' words that night at the meal and later in the garden when he called Judas friend make clear that Judas was not predestined to do what he did. If that were the case, then Jesus' words calling Judas to repent are a horrible mockery of Judas. No, Judas had a choice. We too have a free will to choose to do what God does not want us to do. And yet God is still in control of the ultimate outcome. This is a mystery for us and our limited understanding. Judas and the chief priests exercised their free will. They made their decisions, but God determined the outcome. They intended their actions to bring the end of Jesus But God used their actions to accomplish our salvation. And he raised Jesus to the highest place that can be given. Here's another mystery. You and I may be free to choose to do what God does not want us to do, but we are not free to choose life. It is a gift. We cannot, as Luther says, by our own thinking or choosing, believe in Jesus or come to him. The Holy Spirit calls us by the gospel, and through the gospel, he works faith in our hearts. But we are free to reject that gospel. In other words, those who believe the gospel have only God to thank for their faith. Those who, like Judas, reject it have only themselves to blame. On the night he was betrayed... Yes, let the words sink in. When Jesus said, one of you will betray me, it stunned the disciples. They began to say to one another, it's not me, is it? Later, Peter and the others will insist they would never do such a thing. But in the shock of the moment, they recognized the horrible truth. They were, and we are capable of such treachery. On the night he was betrayed. To whom is Jesus giving this most precious of all gifts, this supper? To those who were worthy of his love? Who had proven their loyalty? No. To those who that very night would deny him and forsake him? Who would leave him in the hands of violent men intending to put him to death? To whom does Jesus give this meal still today? To sinners. What makes us worthy of receiving this amazing gift, this meal? It's not our goodness. Rather, it's it's recognizing just how desperately we need him. I see Jesus' patience that night, his merciful love, and, and I think of how easily my anger flares up when my neighbor does, this, does me the slightest harm, what arrogance. Miserable sinner that I am, and I cannot endure the slightest harsh word without lashing out. While the sinless Son of God bears such abuse and responds with this gift of love. How much I need your forgiveness, Jesus. Help me to follow your example. Welcome to the God's Word, our Great Heritage Podcast. In this episode, we're reviewing Mark chapter 14, verses 10 through 26, and then we'll go on to cover verses 27 through 42. Let's begin with prayer. Jesus, if my sins give me alarm and my conscience grieve me, let your cross my fear disarm, peace of conscience give me. Help me see forgiveness won by your holy passion. If for me he slays his son, God must have compassion. Amen. Chapter 14, verse 22. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Jesus gave this supper for you, for your forgiveness. Here he comes to you, even as he was there that night with his disciples. He comes to feed you with his grace and to gather you as his family around his table. We come, sinners all, and under the form of bread and wine, he places into our mouths the very body and blood by which he has won our forgiveness. Verse 28. When they had sung a hymn, They went out to the Mount of Olives. You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, Even if all fall away, I will not. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. You will all fall away, Jesus said as they walked along. Whoa, not me, Jesus. Take a look at these spiritual muscles. I know other people skip church, attend sporting events. Not me, I'm your man. I even tithe. Hey, and I pray, Jesus, I pray long prayers. I mean, I really live my faith, even at work. I've even witnessed a couple of times to those, those guys, you know what sinners they are, but they don't curse around me anymore, no, sir. Look, Jesus, though everyone else falls away, I won't. How often, Lord, I have compared myself to others and so become self-righteous. I have dared to trust my own strength. Help me, Lord, instead to see myself in your holy law and so to see my great need of your deliverance. Jesus knew in advance they would all fail him. Still, he willingly came for them. From eternity, he knew all our failures as well, but that did not stop him from coming for us coming to us in our baptism, in his word, in his supper. Don't miss Jesus' beautiful promise here. But I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Yes, God will strike down the shepherd, but he will raise that shepherd to life again. And after his resurrection, Jesus will not abandon them. He will meet them and he will be with them in all that he will ask them to do just as he meets us in all our Galilee's. Here is the recurring theme in this section. Jesus says, you will fail. You will show your worst. You will demonstrate in so many ways your need for grace, but my grace will not fail you. My forgiveness for you is not dependent on your progress. My forgiveness for you is dependent completely, totally on my grace, on my love for you. Verse 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he found again them sleeping, but their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough! The hour has come. Look! The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. He asked them to stay awake with him, but they fell asleep. Going deeper into the shadow, totally alone now, he crumples to the ground. Listen, he is praying. Face against the dirt, he cries out in anguish, Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. What is in that cup? Hell. Hell is in that cup. Death and damnation are in that cup. My Father, my Father, take it away. It will tear me away from you. Sin is in that cup, and if I drink it, you will not look at me. You will loathe me. Abba, take it away but not what I want, what you want, do. Picture the most disgusting, vile substance imaginable in a cup before you, or the most deadly poison. What would you be thinking if you were anticipating drinking it? Picture what it was like for the sinless Son of God to anticipate every sin, every lustful thought, every hostile attitude, every bit of gossip, every loveless and cruel word, every act of adultery and greed and hatred being absorbed into his body as if he were drinking it in. And so he becomes guilty of all of it. And not only being guilty of the sins, but also receiving the punishment those sins deserve, abandonment by his Father in heaven. Yes, hell. And so he pleads, he cries, his desperate cry, Abba, some other way, some other way. And after he prays the third time, he knows the answer. This is the way. This is his father's will. He returns to his sleeping friends and wakes them with the news. Get up, let's go. Here comes my betrayer. If you ever catch yourself thinking, sin isn't all that bad, it's no big deal, then return to this garden. See again your Savior suffering just to anticipate becoming guilty of your sins. See him suffering just to anticipate paying the tremendous penalty of your sins. The darkness, the quiet of the night is broken by a line of blazing torches snaking their way eastward from Jerusalem toward the garden, and by the sound of marching, marching feet. And at the head of this ungodly procession is Judas. But that is next week, where we will pick it up at verse 43. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you.